Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight down the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO Radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Today, I'm joined by Ron Moorhead again, the world-famous Bigfoot researcher and the man famous for the Sierra Sounds. Ron, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Good. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you again. It's a pleasure to get you back on the show, mate. I feel, uh, I feel very privileged because... It's not very often you get to talk to to someone who has the experience that you got, and to get to talk to you twice, I I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store at the moment. Well, thank you for that. Last time we had you on the show, mate, we were talking about the quantum Bigfoot theory, which was absolutely fascinating, and the listeners of the show loved it. They, They fully embrace it. They think it's a fantastic theory because... One of the things that we kind of spoke about is how these these beings seem to be interdimensional, uh, interdimensional, and can kind of travel between the the different um, realms or, or dimensions, however you may call it. And that really resonated with a lot of people who've been on the show previously because they've encountered things like that. So that was a, a very uh, it was a good piece of information for them. It kind of validated their experiences that little bit more because it's not did I really see that. Or am I making this up? It really made that a, a certain thing for him because I got so many messages saying, wow, Ron just blew my mind because I thought I was going crazy. And when I saw what he said about this, it just validated my entire experience all over again. Good to hear. Which is, uh, which is always fantastic. And it's why we have guests like you on the show. But uh, because we got so excited with the quantum Bigfoot theory, we didn't actually get to talk about the Sierra sounds that you encountered and how this all came about. So what was the what was the reason to go out and get these sounds? Was it something that you were looking to do? Or was this something that you kind of stumbled upon and you wanted to find out more about? Uh, we stumbled across it. 
hunting their camp had been there since the 50s and they've been hunted by the warren and lewis johnson since the 50s it wasn't until 71 when this started happening in their presence up there night and these big things came in and they thought at first it was just a bear but uh, <clears throat> they realized when they went outside that it was something different when they see the uh, octo footprint in this mud that and that kind of shook them a little bit because what is that? It's got a big foot, you know, and a big voice. I mean, there's just a lot of ruckus going on out there. And they uh, came out and told uh, told the other hunters that hunted up there, which are all, we're all friends. I, I wasn't hunting at the time, so I didn't go up. But when they all went back up <clears throat> to uh, to just go to camp and see what's going on, the things were still coming around at night. And uh, anyway, it, uh, it ended up they we. They started taking the course. One of the guys got so scared when he heard this. Very religious person. He didn't know. Nothing. The giants, the old, aren't supposed to be around anymore. Uh, this is crazy. And it just freaked him out. He, he took off the next morning and left a note for the rest of them. Anyway, he came out. <clears throat> I don't know if I mentioned this in the last program or not, but he came out and the guy didn't come back when they were supposed to. Of course, the wives all knew the story. And uh, we were privy to them because... We all knew each other, and anyway, uh, they were worried because they were a day late coming out. So they uh, they asked Donald to go back up and check out. Because at that time, you don't know you don't know what you're dealing with. What kind of monsters he knew, or did they have to shoot the way out? What what happened, and uh, what's happening? So anyway, Donald wanted to go back, uh, but he wouldn't go by himself. He was just a little bit freaked out about it all. And you can understand it when you hear the sounds. It's just, that's what you hear just a few feet away from you. And my gosh, you're sitting in there with your guns cocked and everybody's ready to <clears throat> do something, go death shoot <laughs> these monsters or whatever. <laughs> they, they don't know. We don't know. You don't know. This is the 70s, long time ago. You know, Bigfoot was kind of something people laughed at back then. Anyway, uh, Donald and I went up there, walked in, and he about killed me getting in there. It's such a trip. And I thought I was in good shape. But it's uh, about 8,400 feet in elevation. <clears throat> you leave the trailhead is about 6,000 feet, so you start hiking in. And I mean, it's steep, rugged, rocky. Uh, it's ended up later on when I started taking horses in. Uh, it's it's quite a trip. Anyway, <clears throat> that's how it got started. It wasn't until uh, the winter of 71, 72, when uh, Warren Johnson rode to Ivan Sanderson, a cryptozoologist back east, who's deceased now. but he thought it was probably a hoax. He wrote a 23 page letter and he ended up pouring it to Peter Byrne. I think I mentioned this in the last program too, just to bring everybody up to date. Peter Byrne had a Bigfoot Research Center in Oregon. Peter thinking that's crazy. Nothing happened. This happens to anybody, you know. If, if you ever see more than one at one time, it's like being hit by lightning twice in your life. It just doesn't happen. So uh, anyway, Peter thought, well, maybe someone should look into it. It's closer to him. So he sent it to Alan Berry. And Alan Berry was an investigative reporter working for his director's searchlight newspaper in Redding, California. He made a trip down there, scheduled to talk to us all, and ended up interviewing us all. We, we let him listen to some of the sounds that we recorded in 71, because I started going up there, and we all started going back. I went back as much as I could, taking tape recorders and just started taping them. Well, Alan and I went in, also looking for a hoax. We didn't know that. But anyway, he ended up caught up in it and wrote a book about it, actually, later on. He, uh, <clears throat> so this first uh, sound that you play is, was actually recorded by him. It's one of the sounds that uh, Dr. Curlin and uh, 
did a year-long study on the University of Wyoming to determine the credibility of the sounds to make sure the tapes were not manipulated or speeded up or slowed down or, or manufactured in any way. So that's how it got started. None of us, none of the hunters were looking for Bigfoot, but I became a hunter after that because I wanted to be part of that group hunting. And uh, so we started having these encounters. These things just come around the camp at night, generally, and uh, just get glimpses of them. I mean, people want to know how all that happened. You'd have a picture. Well, if you're ever out there in the woods and you're a researcher trying to get a picture, <clears throat> these things are one step ahead of the music. <laughs> they got it figured out. Of course, we didn't know that time. We was trying to rig up camera traps and do all this sort of stuff that just wasn't working. Nothing could capture these things except that. We did get them with our tape recorders, and we got their sounds. But as far as the picture goes, never got one. And uh, yeah, sometimes I wonder yeah. if there's a hidden reason behind that too. It's something I get into my quantum Bigfoot book with. And that's the the biggest thing when it comes to Bigfoot research or Yowie research to these types of creatures is everyone asks a question: How come we we can get wood knocks? How come we can find footprints? But how come there's there's not just a solid, super clear picture? And how come the the only real, I guess, footage that people tend to believe is the Patterson-Gimlin uh, film? Right. How come we haven't got another one like that? And the, I think the question is, these these creatures are the masters of their domain. Yeah, then They're not going to be that easy to get. They're not. It was just a really accident that that happened. They were in the right spot at the right time and caught the right. They were walking up the creek with their horses, which camouflaged the sound, I'm sure. and. Uh, Anyway, they came around and there it was. So he had his presence of mind enough to get his camera out because they was looking for this. You know, they'd heard the logging stories and stories that went on, and they they knew that that was a hot spot for these things. So in his saddlebag, he had this camera, and uh, he pulled it out as his horse was raising cane. And uh, Bob would just sit back or was back there with a rifle to protect him. And uh, uh, they let all that Patterson film happened. And I know Bob quite well, because Roger Patterson passed away years and years ago. But uh, anyway, he's uh, he's pretty iconic in the Bigfoot field because he actually saw this thing and got they got a picture. And that's really a big deal. Um, the language thing that we've run across and we've just discovered in, in the sounds that we recorded is, is a big deal, too, I think. And it's it's got the uh, personality of these things. You know, the film just shows something walking across the sandbar in Northern California. but. The sounds that trust we got hours of them. We've got a lot of sounds that we've recorded over the years, and all of us were recording. So it's just, uh, I think it's pretty significant because it shows what's going on in their nature. Uh, they're, they're conversing back and forth. Um, you got the academic uh, world that still has to catch up with what we what we got because you got Professor Curlin who's written over two hundred papers. I mean, the guys. He's iconic. He's retired now, but he, for him to say what he said in the book, Man Like Monsters on Trial, and he gave a presentation at the Anthropology of the Unknown in British Columbia in 1978. <clears throat> and he's a, he's, he's a professor. I mean, and yet you got academia over here that just can't get their head around it. They got their paradigm made up. And that's too bad because science is supposed to be learning something. But like uh, Planck said, who, uh, Max Planck, he's the, father of quantum physics who won the Nobel Prize for it in 1919. He said, science will progress one one death at a time, one scientist at a time. 
that's kind of funny because <laughs> they won't change their mind. You have to have somebody new come in with a new idea and, and pursue it. These guys don't pursue. Well, some of them do. There's a couple of them that are out there that are, they got their neck stuck out there looking into it. But they got to keep it kind of quiet or they lose their tenure, they lose their credibility, they lose their respect. They just, it's too bad. It is. It really is because that's the that's the thing about science is that it should always be trying to be proved wrong because that's the only way research is going to move forward. So the these scientists they need to be a little bit more open minded or open to the fact that maybe what they have there isn't right. Well, you know, the, the disregarding history, history, history is covered with giants on this planet, on this in this continent. And you got all that going on. You got native lore, mythology, you got Greek mythology, you got all this stuff that's part of history. You got now the uh, uh, Smithsonian has been court ordered to unveil the information they have about the giant skulls and remains that they've that they've uh, they've taken away and put in, and, and they say that it's been destroyed because now the the, the <laughs> it's out of the bag. They they know that that's happened, and and they're court ordered to reveal it. So that's in progress as we speak, I hope. And uh, so with that on and the event of UFOs being seen now and acknowledged by our government, I mean, we're in a, an age of turning. Things are changing and science can't keep ignoring this like they're doing. They've got to accept that there is another hominid living on this, like this planet and and uh, they should be paying a little more attention to it because, uh, well, maybe they do privately, but they don't publicly. <laughs> but they'll have to, just like UFOs. You know, people laughed at those years ago. In fact, you said he was kidnapped by a UFO or abducted or something like that, or you saw one, well, they start laughing at you. Well, they don't do that so much anymore because more and more are being seen, and more and more Bigfoots are being seen, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them. You know. Yeah. So uh, it's it's got to come out of the bag. Uh, with the government once they acknowledge that they know they're there. So I think that they do know. And I think Smithsonian is probably funded a lot by the government. And uh, they probably were told to, you know, don't display this. Because if it's displayed, it's going to throw kink into Darwinism. It'll throw kink into religions all over the world. It's just, whoa, can't have that stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. It will absolutely create economic chaos. Religious chaos and beliefs chaos. It will just, yeah. it will, it, it's, it's something that will really shake the paradigms of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe we're not ready for that yet. Well, I think uh, we're getting ready just because of you and I talking today, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Well, Ron, what we'll do is we might play one of your sounds and we'll play the, uh, when you're recordings and we'll play rapid fire because this is, uh, one of the most terrifying things that I've, I've heard, and it is one of the most compelling pieces of evidence when it comes to the existence of these creatures. And uh, I have about 100 questions I want to ask you after we play this sound. So we'll get that going now. All right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
chilling stuff. <laughs> Absolutely chilling. You can imagine uh, that's one reason Donald would go up there by himself. <laughs> well, <laughs> I it's a little do not blame extreme. That was made in '72, and uh, that's, uh, that's when actually Alberry was had been had gone in and was recording too. So. so, what was the what was the feeling in the in the expedition when this was going on? Because you you've captured or you've experienced this before these recordings were happening. So how did you muscle up the, I guess the, the, the bravery to go out out there again and and go through all this? You know, I was 29 when this started with me. And, uh, I think at 29, you just feel like you're invulnerable. Uh, and you you don't think anything can hurt you. And, uh, I was a Christian brought up in Christian beliefs that, you know, nothing would hurt us, uh, unless, it passes through God's hands first. Well, you know, that's the kind of thinking I had. And, uh, I think, you know, if you have a self, uh, feeling about who you are as a human being, that you can just, you, you find out that fear is your enemy and, uh, you can't help but be concerned. And I got to tell you, there's, there's some of those moments up there when you're concerned because at that time, you don't know <clears throat> if they're coming in after you, if they're arguing about, Who's going to have you first? Who's going to eat you first? Or if <laughs> yeah. they're arguing about over the food you might have left out there, you just don't know because you don't know what they're saying. And it's just, uh, yeah, a little concerning, but it's not, it's still kind of a thrilling thing, too. I don't know. I was, uh, I guess I was a little passive about fear then, uh, as far as, uh, you know, shaking. Uh, we, I wasn't shaking, I don't think. I mean, uh, Donald, though, he wouldn't stay up there. He just wouldn't, you know, overnight because they come in at nighttime, evening time. Not to say they're not around the daytime, but there's times when we walk out, we'll walk on foot, come back, and there'd be some huge tracks by the horses where we've left them tied up. So uh, it's, uh, it was exciting, and I think that's the best word to put it, just exciting. It's like living on the edge of something, and uh, I've done a lot of exciting things I don't like to, you know, that I have. and. Uh, this is probably the most exciting thing in my life right there. I think so. And I think this would be on a lot of people's bucket list to have encounters like that, to to capture evidence like that, because something like that is, is so, so rare to, to get, but for you to get it so many times, it's, it's almost like this divine intervention has selected you to have these opportunities. You don't know, uh, you don't know at the time that it's significant. It's, it's much, uh, we didn't anyway, like Alan Berry did. He knew it was insignificant. Um, but you just don't know at the time just how relevant it is. And, you know, people tell me quite regularly that they hear the same sound, like all the samurai cry, because next one you play will have a kind of a sound in it. And uh, they say they hear those sounds, but, you know, they're not walking around out there looking with a tape recorder. And we have not been able to, to get those sounds again taped. It's like they don't want the human exploitation because uh, they are sapient people. They're, they're, I call them people. You know, they're like a, a being that's out there. They're, I believe in being a, a hybrid type of a primate. And I believe there's probably alien intervention to give them sapiens because, well, we're, we're hybrids ourselves, but I'm getting into my philosophy now. So I'm going to stick with my Bigfoot questions. Huh? How many people were with you on that that expedition then? I don't see. It would have been me, uh, Bill McDowell, probably, yeah, Warren and Lewis Johnson. There would have been five of us there altogether. 
Was there a buzz about the camp when this was going on? Because I, I would feel like it would be on a high alert type of thing because you just don't know what they are going on about. Like you said earlier, you don't know if they're, they're arguing about who's who they're going to eat first, whose food they're going to take. Um, it I would have imagined it would have been everyone is just kind of on on their toes, just ready for something to, to pounce or, or to bust into the camp. I can't say we were in that type of frame of mind. Uh, we were pretty much just enjoying the serene. Uh, it's just so beautiful up there, and uh, it's quiet. You're, you're away from because we're all busy. I was a businessman. Bill McDowell's a contractor. Worked a lot of people. I had several, I mean, a lot of employees. And uh, Warren Johnson, he was manager of the gate plant. Uh, they're all professional people who who did quite well, and and we uh, uh, it just. They don't talk about it, number one, when you go back out. Yeah. Al Berry, <laughs> he, he started talking about it with that kind of, again, he had some issues trying to talk about it. Oh, I forgot your question now. <laughs> no, that's all right. So what was Alan Berry's impression of all this when this was going on? Because he's a, he's gone out there for this reason yeah. to capture these sounds. <clears throat> oh, he would go next he? day. Yeah, he would go through our packs. He'd look for wires, speakers, anything you could find. Only he could find us these huge tracks, and uh, uh, he just, well, he was, he was wanting it to be a hoax, actually, because it would make a good story how someone pull this off at this elevation, this far back into the wilderness, and still not leave any more signs than what they've left, and uh, which is just the tracks, and we was able to capture the recordings. And again, we were trying to trick them, and you can't, you can't really trick them. Uh, they they step ahead of you. We'd rig up these traps and they go a different way. And now a quick word from our sponsor. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. And I could imagine that would be a bit of a shock to him because especially if he's going up there to try and prove that you guys are going through all this effort to hike all this equipment up into the mountains, take him up there just to to play this little trick on him for it to turn out to be these these huge creatures are roaming around the campsite making these sounds that I feel like he would have been, oh, no, I might be <laughs> onto something here. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was. I'm sure he thought that. Um, yeah, uh, we we packed stuff in with our mules and uh, rode horseback in to get our equipment, our food and supplies in there. And uh, then uh, when we came back at another time, we could actually walk in without taking the horses. That way you could. <clears throat> you'd have your equipment up there and your stuff all sealed up in a green barrel or something that we'd packed in. And, and uh, you wouldn't have to take the horses. The horses do make noise. And uh, you want to, when, when it's quiet up there, it's quiet. I mean, it's quiet. In fact, that's one of the signs you look for when these things are 
getting close is everything stops. It's like uh, like time stops. You don't hear you don't hear frogs. You don't hear you don't hear birds. You don't hear anything. And that's a that, that that'll be eerie in itself just having because the woods would be quite i know here in australia the woods are buzzing with sound it's uh it's it's impossible to get that that silence but to walk into such a, a wooded place and for it to just go dead quiet that would hold a, a certain presence about itself mm-hmm. yeah it does and uh you, that's a, something you want to recognize because if you just like we got a little spring there so what you hear is the water trickling out of the spring uh and that's it and uh i had two stereo microphones one on each side of the shelter sticking out through this wood wood frame we had dead wood from deadfall for the shelter and uh i put the headsets on and i could hear these things walking actually with my headset wow. because those mics were very sensitive i had just the best equipment you could get at the time uh which all got burned up my house fire unfortunately all my uh my original tapes and everything. So Alan Berry, uh, I, of course, I sent some off to him and uh, he sent them back to me so I could make my second CD with the uh, vocalizations from the two years later, which which I produced that CD uh, with the interaction sounds, the wood knocking and the yelling and the yelling back at them. And it was uh, quite a night, a very memorable night because I got to see what was making the noise. You have so many people professionals say well if you don't see what made the noise you don't know what made the noise well that's true in a way you suspect when you go out there and see these big tracks and all you had was the noises you figure whatever made the noise made the tracks but this night i saw this thing and they coined it the samurai cry coming from behind wow. he was shooting down towards these other two uh we feel as a male and adolescent because we have a real small voice recorded down there i was recording it started happening uh, outside the shelter, which normally we were inside the shelter when it all started happening. This night in 1974, uh, we were outside the shelter, just the two of us, Bill and I, and uh, it was exciting. These things were out there. You got glimpses of shooting through the trees. I mean, fast, so fast and smooth, uh, inhuman, inhuman the way they move. And uh, maybe that's why the films are all blurry; they're moving too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it could, it could be it. Well, it could a lot be of times, it. too, the, the, the so far away, and I try to zoom it in, and you're trying to see it. It's just the pixelation just isn't good. But Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a few out there that's, that's pretty good. And, of course, you got somebody's always going to say that's a hoax. That's manufactured, something like that. So. It's one of these things that people will say all the cameras are too low quality. They're always blurry. But mm-hmm. with, with our modern day and technology and, and, you know, 4K, 8K cameras being readily available uh, to to people these days in their in their phones of all things. If we got one in 4K, crystal clear vision, it's a hoax. No one would believe it. So true. In fact, there's hardly anybody believes what's going on right now. I hear all these. There's a lot of pictures of people say, "Oh, I saw this. But you know what? Uh, a lot of people aren't walking around with 4K cameras. Uh, they're just trying to see something way over there, 100 yards away or so. I mean, they start taking a picture of it and. It ends up being blurry when they try to stabilize it and move it in closer. Yeah. Well, what we'll do there, Ron, is we might pay, play this second sound uh, soundbite that you sent us, and it's called the Apollo Question, and this is just as chilling as the uh, as the rapid fire. So we'll get this one going.
说话。So that one there, it sounds like you're actually asking these creatures a question. Yeah, I was mimicking them, and uh, that that sequence went on for an hour, really. So there's a lot more went on, but uh, that's the night I saw saw one shooting through the woods. And uh, wow, it just uh, I was I was trying to mimic what it was saying again, thinking they're some kind of primitive animal that's a step below us. Uh, they're not a step below us, in my opinion. They're a step above us, <laughs> and how they do what they do uh, is is what I get into with my theory and my ideas. But uh, yeah, that was uh, two years after the first one that you heard, and that was uh, again. I think they were getting friendly with us, according to the cryptolinguist. Um, they took the same vocal mechanism to do those articulations as it did those aggressive ones you heard to start with there. And uh, he says he thinks they were slowing their vocalizations down to perhaps something we could hear or understand. In fact, when I mimicked them, you could almost hear in one area, one of them laughing at me, you know, like, <laughs> uh, who knows? But uh, it's, it was an exciting night, I got to tell you that. To interact with these these creatures the way that you just did, that would have been such a thrill because that's something that not, no one else in this world would really get the opportunity to to do that. And the fact that you got to do it for an hour, you got to see them. This is this is groundbreaking type well, of think interactions. So. You know, but again, again, you think it'd be groundbreaking, uh, but I wasn't thinking that at the time. But again, I uh, why were we chosen? Why did this happen to us? Was were they really supposed to mess with us like that? Because so many times they don't mess with people. You know, they're, they're, they're reclusive. They're way back. They're just but yet they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're everything that we were not. I mean, they, they break trees that are huge. Uh, they're just, uh, they're magnificent beings. Why are they saying so elusive? And I, I get into my religious philosophy there. It's not really spiritual, excuse me. I watch myself there. <laughs> but uh, we have been given the uh, dominion on this earth, humans, and we are special. I really think that. When you think that and you're out in the woods and you know that you have dominion over whatever happens, you feel that inside and you know it, and you got your residence and your all oh, everything going right, uh, you can you can tell them to stop and they'll stop. Uh fact uh that's happened up there a time or two. And uh, So you're saying you feel like you're you're just constantly in control of the situation, regardless of no, how aggressive no, they I didn't may mean be. to come off that way because you're not. It's their terms and their time. But were they supposed to interfere with us? Uh, unless it's so I can do what I'm doing today and make their presence known to some, mm-hmm. in some regard to the public. And that's all I want to do. You know, I'm, I'm going to be an old guy. We're not all going to live forever. So I just want to get what I know and what I think I know out there about these beings. I've been close to them many times and, uh, they're, they're not what most people want to think they are. Uh, they're, they're something else. And their their purpose and all that I got my ideas about that, but that's a whole other program. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I'll be more than happy to get you on to uh, to pick your brain about that. So, um, when it when it comes to these sounds and being lucky enough to record them, we were speaking before we we went on the air here that this isn't something that was always happening for you because. Some people may get the impression that you you go out and you capture these sounds all the time. 
but that's not the case, is it? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Uh, in fact, every time we went up there, sometimes they wouldn't be around. They wouldn't come in. You just kind of wait there and see if you hear a big crack of a lamb or a big woofing sound or something like that. One of their telltale signs. And uh, sometimes nothing would happen. And uh, other times you have nights like the one you heard a minute ago, uh, where just uh, you think the walls are coming in on you, like a two-legged elephant walking around out there. So it's uh, it's it, no, I I don't. I've been up there multiple times over the years. Now it's been what almost fifty years since this started, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been up there. I used to go up there with chance I got, and uh, it, no, nothing necessarily happens. Uh, the recordings are unique, and I'm glad we got them. But other things, strange things happen now. And you might hear a chatter, but you're not ready to record it, and all of a sudden it's over with. You didn't do anything. That happened to me in 2011. 2016, I was up there, and this big lightsaber at nighttime, and we was, my wife and I sitting up in the tent. The shelter had been taken down already from the snow and everything, and, and uh, open top, and we seen this bolt of light, uh, I call it a, like a lightsaber in Star Wars, come floating by our tent. And I mean, Really? Really. Uh, but it's not, it's unusual, but for up there, it's not so unusual. I mean, the lights and <laughs> things have happened. I've seen, seen a, what I consider a UFO coming down one time behind the trees, and, and I've heard these big tuning sounds that you can't find the source of. And I, I get into how does that happen, and that's where my quantum theory comes in, because in quantum physics, we only see with certain parameters of light and uh, certain frequency i should say everything is energy frequency and vibration for the tesla and uh you get into all that how things really work throughout the universe and you, you you tend to open your mind up a little bit because we're not seeing everything there is to see and uh, we don't hear everything there is to hear so we're just not everything that we we think we are sometimes you know and you just got to stay green and grow and don't get ripe and rot one of the one of the questions that I got from one of our listeners is they want to know because you go back to this area every every so often. Have you found that you've built a rapport with these creatures or you've noticed that they've they're they're more welcoming to you perhaps than say other people who may frequent that area? Well they certainly did in seventy four when those last sounds you just played, because we thought these things were getting friendly with us, you know, for them to be out exposing themselves a little bit. Uh while we're outside and doing what they were doing, yelling at us like they were, uh, it, it, yeah, you got to believe that you built a rapport. But that hasn't happened since 76. I think the last time really something close happened, well, I say close, was something that we was able to record and do. And uh, this 2011 incident, my uh, lithium batter was dead, but now maybe they, they sense that we are exploiting them more and they don't want to do they don't want that to happen and why is the good question why not come out and expose themselves and let us know come on out and start going to work and pay taxes and let me sponsor you on a football <laughs> team you know, that would be a good one wouldn't it? <laughs> the sasquatches yeah no, they're, they're very exclusive. they want to stay away from humans and i think there's a reason for that and i and it's you know, we're we're the ones responsible for this beautiful earth. And I mean it's a beautiful earth. You think about it as the solar system, it's it's got everything that these other planets don't have. And I think aliens and all that are very 
envious of us because we have dominion on this earth and they're envious of, of us and they want what this earth has to offer. And we know from artifacts that we've found that they've been here before. I've been in Peru, Bolivia, and I've seen these remains. I know that, that um, advanced technology has been here and uh, I think it's coming back again and they're going to. With those remains, are you able to give us a quick rundown? Because some of our listeners may not be aware that you've you've witnessed these things. Are you able to give us a, a brief rundown of what that was and, I guess, the significance that you believe that holds to your theories? Yeah, well, I was down there with Brian Forrester in Paracas, Peru, which is where he lives, to and an expedition with a scientist. And he talked about these elongated skulls, and that's what, that's what we basically studied on this one trip. And weighed them to see the difference, see if there was any uh, manipulation in the skull to cause it that way. Now, the Incas used a cradle board, and that's what everybody thinks happened to these elongated skulls. And some, as an infant, they were cradle boarded and called cranial deformation to get an elongated skull. But no, these, these skulls were naturally elongated, and they've even found some in cemeteries where a pregnant woman, fetus, her fetus was elongated, had an elongated skull. So we know, and, and uh, you know, also you see them, and there's no, there's no um, sagittal suture through here. We have two parietals, one on each side of our head, and these things don't have just one single parietal uh, long. They've got the cranial uh, here and the occipital back here, but but they don't have a sagittal suture. There was no sagittal going on. And, they had elongated skulls, and they were responsible, we think, for the megalithic structures, which we went to see, too, down there. And uh, those things are just, uh, don't know how they did it. You know, they, they quarry these rocks from miles and miles away and put them up on this 13,000-foot mountain. And they're put together like a jigsaw puzzle, and it's almost like they melted the rocks into marshmallows and squeezed them together. So there's no mortar. And, you know, you see that stuff, and uh, you have it studied because the, the, the brain matter had to have been about 28 to 30% more than what humans have. So the Incas did cradleboard, but these things, and there's a lot of them, were not cradleboarded. And uh, <clears throat> the Incas were doing that, I think, and they do that all over the world, really. Egypt, too, you know, you see these uh, elongation. But they're doing it mimicking... Uh, trying to get the same brain mass, I think, to do these feats that the pre-Inca people were doing. And they didn't come with more brain, it just came with a long kid skull. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing. We also was able to get into with a local who took us to some sites, which uh, a little bit of Indiana Jones going on there, but it's uh, kind of fun, you know, I say fun, exciting, you know, move these boulders away and go in these places and Take out these bones, but you put them back because it's only respect that you do that. But there's grave robbers down there. Uh, uh, they go out and dig these graves up, trying to find uh, any artifacts, jewelry. Um, if they find an elongated skull, they take it to a museum and sell it to them. And that's this one guy, uh, Senor Juan, down there in Paracas. He had a bunch of them. So we looked at those uh, two different times, two different years, two different scientists. All come up with the same same thing, so that's where really I saw, and it opened my eyes to man, something's been here that we just don't know about, you know. And what's really interesting is with the with that infant skull, the baby skull that you found, it had red hair, and that's not common in that that part of the world, is it? No, 
In fact, the uh, the DNA, which finally got out, and, and Brian Forster's got uh, information on that about where it came from. It's from the, the Black Sea, I think it is, the Mediterranean over in there, uh, Asia. And uh, it's uh, the mitochondrial DNA is from there. So that's how red hair and <laughs> you have to see the study, I think, see what he's got. I, I've kind of forgotten it now, but it's uh it's it's on his site uh lost inca tours or something like that and he he, he comes out with that information uh as he gets it it took five years for that dna to come back it took a long time just to get the information out of the minister of anthropology there to get permission to take part of it out for studies but uh it's uh interesting how did that mm. that culture get over to South America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How'd they, exactly. They, they take a jet? How'd they get there? <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. There's been a lot of, you know, you got the, I flew over the uh, Nazca lines down there too, where you see these different animals, things from the air. And uh, that's just, you know, it just opens your head up. And that's so important, I think, for everybody to keep an open mind to what's really going on. Look at the bigger bubble. We all live in little bubbles, thing like you know, you're here for a few years and then you die. What happened? Nothing dies; it just changes form. Religions call that heaven. Physics calls that interdimensional. If you can, your matter changes into energy because we are energy at the most minute level of existence. And if I get too carried away, just pouring me in. No, yeah. no, not at all. <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about the sounds here, and I'm talking about aliens. <laughs> It's all part of the parcel with our podcast, mate. It, everything flies. So, what's the what was the reaction in the scientific world to these skulls that you found? Were they open to the the possibilities that you were raising with it, or were they thinking that this was purely maybe like head binding or or, or something like that, where they were manipulating? Well, I think that these- that whole thought process is being altered right now as we speak because of the DNA that's come out and because of the credibility behind I mean, you can't deny the skulls are there. You can hold them, you can look at them. You, 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 what do you do? I got a couple of copies here. If I know look at them, I can show them to you. But uh, I had uh, Joe Taylor, who I was down there with. He's at the uh, museum in Texas, uh, right above Boston. Anyway, uh, he, he copied them. He's forensic, uh, does that forensically. And uh, we got permission to do that. In fact, we, the little redheaded small baby skull, we actually demummified and we took that out of a mummy. It was never been taken oh, wow. out before. And uh Senior Juan let us do that and uh and then he formed it after that. So I got exact duplicates of, of that and a and a adult skull right here in my office. And Yeah, uh, because if anyone wants to check these out, they can jump on your website because I remember seeing little replicas of these. Um you you've got pictures of them. I got the real thing right here. <laughs> oh wow. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I should. I apologize. I should have those out. Show you the, in the back of the skull. These elongated skulls, right in the back of them, two pinholes. And what's that all about? I don't know. Really? Yeah. Oh, they, wow. At it, there's two pinholes. Like, what's that all about? Antenna, That's interesting. To my favorite Martian. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to kind of have fun with this stuff, Kate. Because if you don't, uh, you know. Well, I just have fun with it because it's, it is fun, but it's also exciting. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting. And, uh, I'm all for 
anybody wants to get into it, but have fun with it because life's too short. Absolutely. And you probably see this online um, that a lot of these people in the Bigfoot world or in the, in the UFO world, the, the alien world, there's, there's a lot of negativity that goes on in between different, different fractions. And it's, it's really unnecessary because I mean, at the end of the day, everyone just kind of wants the truth out there and Mm -hmm. they want to, I think everyone, like you said, they should have fun with this because it, it is fun to talk about. It's, if it's not fun to talk about, I wouldn't do a podcast like this to talk to people like yourself. Because at, at the end of the day, if everything is always just so negative and people are bitter about what someone else's opinion on something may be, people won't grow or learn from that. Yeah, it's too bad. There's naysayers no matter where you go, no matter what you're going to do. Because it's a big feel now. It didn't used to be this way. And uh, there's so much uh, that stuff going on and it doesn't need to go on. I, I stay away from it. Uh, really, I do. Uh, people can say whatever they want to about what they think about what I'm saying, but, uh, you know, everybody's got their own opinion and um, they're welcome to it. You know, that's what we all got is our choices and our opinion. And, and you can't take that away from me, but, uh, I won't take it away from you either. So uh, I try to listen to everybody. And I think that's <clears throat> kind of helped me in this Bigfoot world because these people with these, <clears throat> excuse me, these unusual events that came to me has come to me and told me about them. If I didn't have an open mind and tell people, you know, I'll listen to you and I do listen to them. If I didn't have that attitude, I don't think, I'd, I'd know what I know because a lot of it's uh, falls right into the quantum theory that I've that I've come up with about how these things disappear, how they go, how they change their matter into energy through their vibrational frequency, how that stuff happens. It, it can happen, and that for years uh, people said they disappear, and somebody, well, that's a hoax. You know, you're crazy. Get away from me. Well, uh, no, <laughs> it doesn't have to be crazy. People aren't all delusional they're not all crazy some people are i gotta tell you when there's some of these places that want to talk to me and they got a hundred candles lit all around the place you know it's really spooky but uh you, you sense those things i do anyway but i still listen and i don't laugh at anybody you know because it's, it's just no they can say what they want to say and I will listen. Absolutely. And there's there's this little saying that I always live by when it comes to, you know, you're talking about cryptids or the paranormal or UFOs or aliens is that a lot of the time, fact is often stranger than fiction when it comes to this type of stuff. We got facts out there and you've seen fiction before in these movies because they're they got all these movies coming out. And I think it's inundating us, inundating society to strange stuff to ufos to aliens it's inundating us and when it does happen for real people aren't going to be that surprised <laughs> i think oh, so okay i think so. okay palladian come over here and tell me something <laughs> <laughs> if if anything uh, i've learned this year in in the the craziness of uh 2020 is that if if bigfoot comes out and aliens all come out tomorrow there is going to be a mass world shortage on toilet paper again <laughs> yeah, better, yeah. Maybe time to stock up again. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> well, Ron, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show again, mate. It's always lovely to talk to you. And uh to the fact that you've had so many encounters with these these creatures up um and getting the these recordings, it's it's a absolute treasure to the the Bigfoot world and, and the Bigfoot research community. It's nice of you to say. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. 
My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.